meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 26. Can you believe we are nearing 30 podcast episodes? This is insane in the membrane. I am so excited. And the only reason why I'm able to have this podcast is because of YOU. And Heather O'Shea said the nicest thing today. She said, I listened to this on my way to work this, this morning. I was crying, except everyone as is. The energy in our house has been so draining lately. Thank you so much for your podcast. They speak to me so much every week. I look so forward to them. That means so much to me because that is all I want to do is uh, people tell me all the time, I want my kids to be like your kids and I want them to. And I am here to say, no, you don't. You don't want to get in my head. It's a mess. It's a, my kids like, no, you don't want to get in there. Like, I just want to unleash the power within you. And that's why I love Tony Robbins, because it's all living within you. Like they say on Dorothy, everything you need is already inside of you. The problem that we are taught as children is to look outside of us for the happiness and the contentment and the joy. And then we give all our emotional responsibility to all the people and all the humans, and they're just going to mess it up. Because they don't have that capability and it's not their responsibility. I'm having a hard enough time managing my own life. I don't need to look at someone else's life and tell them how to manage their life because I'm not inside their brain, their background, their DNA, their history. I just want to love them. And I love the saying Brooke says, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And you can even love people from afar. A lot of times I coach clients that they have such toxic relationships with their parents or in-laws and I'm just here to say you get to choose who is involved in your children's life and you can love people from afar. So loving people doesn't mean you have them over for chicken dinner every Sunday and let them call you names and yell at you and abuse you. That's not okay. And in the meantime, you're teaching your kids how to set boundaries, but set boundaries with love, not set boundaries with the door is locked, just set boundaries that the door is closed. But I still love you and I can love you from afar. I think sometimes we're guilted in and you feel guilt that you're not super close with a certain family member and you don't have to be. There are no rules. And when you get become an adult, you get to make your own rules. And that's emotional adulthood. When you step into your own, you're like, oh, this is all living dormant within me. Thank you, Kelly, for unleashing that within me. Because the reason why we have so much harmony in the home is because I'm accepting the as is of every single moment. And every moment is happening for us and it's never happening to us. So all the love, all the as is of all the people and all the experiences, just throw love into it. It's so much more fun and it's so imperfect. And that's the difference. You have no agenda. You have no playbook. You have no manual. And then everything feels so perfect because we always want the perfect life and the white picket fence. But what if the perfection is the as is? Ooh, baby. There is no perfection in the manual, I promise you. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. And today I'm going to talk about something called holding the space. And holding the space is like you are the container for the emotions of people around you. Now I'm going to talk about it 
regarding children mostly, but you can do this with anybody. I think we do this naturally with our friends and with our sisters and our moms and our girlfriend relationships. I think sometimes it's harder with our children because when we have children, we think that they're a reflection of us and our egos get involved and then we get enmeshed and we get codependent and we just want them to be happy, 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 happy. But what if the goal is not for them to be happy? The goal is just to normalize all human emotions and hold the space during the difficult times, during the messy moments, I call it. Because a messy moment for a two-year-old is the same as a 14-year-old. They just look different, but it's still the same. They're having a very complex emotion. They don't know what to do with it, and they want it out of their body immediately. So toddlers usually throw things, hit things, spit, raspberry, throw the food, whatever it is. And then teenagers might slam doors, punch walls, or shut down. And the reason why they're shutting down is because they've been taught their whole life, when you're having a complex emotion, please go shut down. We say, go go to your room, go to timeout, leave me alone, go away. And what I'm encouraging moms and dads to do is when they're having the difficult emotions and the complex emotions, just holding the space for them. And when I was a counselor at Naples Park, go Sharks, I would have teachers or parents or sometimes even kids just come in my office and just unload. They would vent. They would cry sometimes. I'm just so frustrated. I'm so disappointed. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he said that. This isn't fair. And I was so overwhelmed with what they were throwing at me. I would just sit there and nod and say, oh, oh, yeah, that must be tough. Oh, yeah. A lot of empathy, a lot of compassion. And just held the space for that energy versus jumping in their pool, which Brooke calls it, jumping in their pool and swimming around in their story and drowning with them. Because they were drowning in their story. They're drowning in their stress. And so I would just sit on the sidelines and I would just stand there like a lifeguard and I have your life preserver if you need it. And they would just go and they would just unload on me and not on me, but with me, I could say. And when they were finished telling their story, I would always respond with head nods, empathy, oof, things like that, almost like noises that showed I understood and I felt their pain and I was here and I was just holding the space. And you know what they would say? I would literally say nothing. You know what they would say after 15 minutes? I feel so much better. Thank you, Kelly. You are amazing. It happened over and over and over again until I was like, wait a minute, there's something to this. The less I say and the less I do and the less I judge and the less I fix and the less I try to cheerlead them back, the better I am for them because they feel so safe. They unload. They feel better. So it's almost like the toddler who throws things to get the energy out of their body. Sometimes adults, when they would come to my office, would just need to unload to get that energy out of their body and not be judged, not be ridiculed not be fixed, not made to feel inadequate. And I would just hold the space for them and they would leave feeling so much lighter. It happened time and time and time again. And think about with you're with a friend and you just are so upset about something or you're so disappointed or you're so angry about something and you share that with someone and they hold the space for you. It's so connecting. It's unbelievable. 
Think about when you're feeling super vulnerable. Because when you feel a complex emotion, it's the most vulnerable feeling ever. You feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel like there's something wrong with you for feeling the way that you're feeling. You reach out for comfort for other people. Like, is this normal? Am I normal? Am I okay? Am I valued? Am I seen? Am I heard? And when you have a friend or a spouse or a brother or sister that can hold that space for you and reassure you that everything's okay and nothing's gone wrong and you're valued and you're worthy and you're good enough and you're heard and you're seen and nothing has gone wrong and you're normal, you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Thank you. When they didn't really do anything other than hold the space, think about when you're feeling vulnerable, when someone's there for you. My mom says she can remember every single person that was at her dad's funeral. And that was probably 50 or 60 years ago. And she can remember the names and the faces because she was at her most vulnerable state. And then she had people just show up and run into vulnerability with her. And she remembers that because it was so healing for her to have other people. We're built like tribes to be connected and to help each other. And think about when you had something, when you're feeling very vulnerable, when you went through something super tough. And you had a friend there for you, or someone just dropped off flowers at your house, or someone just sent you a text saying, how are you feeling? I'm thinking of you. I'm sending you prayers. That was really, really helpful, even though they don't need to fix anything. They don't need to solve anything. I remember when we had our first miscarriage, and I was so upset and crying. And I remember my friend Heidi coming over, and she said, and she brought me, you've got mail and she brought flowers, and she brought food. And she's like, I'm just so sorry you're going through all this. And I remember crying to her and saying, I just want to be a mom. I just want to be a mom. And dad, dad, and David deserves to be a dad. And look at all he's gone through, all because of me. I felt so responsible for his pain, even though he never made me feel that way. It's something I took on as my own, and I just felt so responsible for all of it. And she said the most healing words to me. She said, you already are a mom. The day that you and David decided to become parents, you became a mom and a dad in your heart. And that's when the motherhood journey starts. And from that moment on, I already felt like a mother to children I hadn't even, that hadn't even been born yet. That was such a gift. So every time I see you got mail, it tugs at my heartstrings a little bit because it reminds me of the most vulnerable time of my life. And there she is with food, flowers, and you've got mail. And those words, you already are a mom. I remember when we were going through the moldy house and moving, and it was so stressful, and I was still back in Naples, and David was trying to set up shot over here in Boca, and I remember my friend Julie would just call me and said, you are strong, you are worthy, you are capable, you are a child of God. She would send me quotes and Bible scriptures, and it was so helpful, I remember, because I was feeling so vulnerable, and that was 10, 12, 15 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I was at my most vulnerable state and I had people there, loved ones there. When we had to move out of the moldy house, we had moving companies come, friends, family, helping us pack our 75 jugs of laundry detergent into boxes. And I had 75 because I was so addicted to couponing. And then my couponing addiction came to light when everybody's moving all this stuff. And they're like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? And it's just, it could be something as simple as if You have a family member in the hospital and you have a neighbor that says, I'll take your kids to school. And they offer. That happened to me a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the most vulnerable state. And thank you for holding the space for me and helping me. 
So I think we can give that same gift to our children. And that's where connective energy is made. Because when our children get upset or they get mad or they get disappointed, we want to fix it. We want to heal it. We don't want to see them uncomfortable. So we want to call the principal. We want to call the bully. We want to call the friend that hurt their feelings. We want to call the math teacher. We want to do all the things so we don't have them suffer at all. Holding the space just means that we're willing to walk alongside another human being in their pain and hold the space, not trying to impact the outcome, not judging, unconditional support, no judgment, and not trying to fix them and make them feel inadequate, like there's something wrong with them. Because I think sometimes when our kids get uncomfortable, we feel so uncomfortable. So we just want to shoo it away, shoo it away, shoo it away. Even though their problems in our brains are very small and trivial because we can see the bigger picture. And their small, little, adorable, undeveloped brains, it's like they just lost their job. It's just like they lost their spouse. It's like they found out they're moving. It's really big in their world. Just because it's not big to us doesn't mean that the emotion's not big and it's not big to them. Their emotion feels as big as when you feel a big emotion. So think about how you want a friend to be there for you or a sister or a colleague, or a spouse to be there when you're feeling that vulnerable state, we can do that for our kids. And I was in the middle of the podcast last week when Lily was texting me and saying, come pick me up, come pick me up, and just very, very relentless with it. And then, so when I went to pick her up, she got in the car and she said, this has been the worst day ever. And so instead of saying, because I was uncomfortable that she was uncomfortable, and I just had to hold the space, I wanted to say, I haven't seen you all day, and this is how you're going to get in the car? Really? I just said, oh, that sounds so tough. I just mirrored back to her everything she was saying. I'm like, what happened? I lost my lunchbox and then I couldn't find it and I was so embarrassed. And then I had to go room to room and looking for it. And then I had to buy school lunch and I didn't know how to buy school lunch because I've never bought school lunch. She's in sixth grade and she's never bought school lunch before. And then Elizabeth helped me and I can't, thank goodness Elizabeth helped me because I didn't know how to buy school lunch. And then once I finished buying my school lunch, then I had no place to sit at the lunch table. And I just said, oh, that's tough. That's so tough. That totally stinks. That's all I kept saying. And she's like, and then you wouldn't pick me up. I'm like, I know that totally stinks. When your kids are upset, it's okay to just agree with them, even though you don't agree with all of it, because you just have to remember, it's like they're in a burning building and you're just trying to get them out of the burning building. Because when they're in that red zone, when they're in that flipping out mode, you don't want to engage. D-N-E, do not engage. It's like they're on fire, they're in the burning building. Your only job is to hold the space and stand outside the burning building and be the calm in their storm. But Kelly, it's so hard. I hear that all the time. Kelly, it's so hard. And I'm like, it's harder to be in that burning building. Just pretend that they're in the water and the waves are just crashing down on them and they're trying to get out. Stand on the side of the pool. Don't jump in their pool because that's harder than standing on the side and holding the space and letting them know That right now in your brain, you're in your lower brain. You don't tell them that, but you know that. It's like talking to someone who's had too much to drink. D-N-E, do not engage. Don't even touch them because they're on fire. You're standing outside the burning building. All you do is hold the space. Let them get out of the lower part of their brain because they're not going to talk rationally. A lot of times we want to lecture during that time. Explosion. You're going to set off an explosion. It's like throwing a grenade into a firestorm. They're in their lower part of their brain. They're in their amygdala. 
they can't think clearly, we want to consequence them while they're during in their red zone. No bueno. Do not engage. D-N-E. Just hold the space. Hold the space. Hold the space. If they're able to talk to them, then you can give them an emotion to pull from. You seem like you're feeling very blank. But sometimes that's a bad idea, too, because they're too much in the burning building. They're too far in. They can't even see out. They can't even see clearly. Pretend that they are D-R-U-N-K and you are there just to sober them up. So you stand there. And then if you try to engage and then you just you keep you keep out of the building, you keep out of the building. Stay out of the building. Stay out of the building. You can offer, but you have to detach first. You have to pretend that they children do not belong to you in that moment. So she's flipping out, telling me all the things. And I just kept saying, oh, that totally stinks. That totally stinks. And you wouldn't even pick me up. Because what happens is that they're having this negative emotion. And now they want someone to kick. They want a dog to kick. So the first line of defense is the person who's in the car, the person they feel the most safe with. You wouldn't even pick me up. And I'm like, I know. That totally stinks. I just agreed with her because she was right. In her mind, that totally stunk. But what we want to do and what I want to do is like, listen, girl, I was recording my podcast. It's very hard for me to record podcasts. I procrastinate. I finally told myself I'm not going to procrastinate. So I didn't procrastinate. And then, no, no, no. Kelly, zip your lips. Detach, detach. I was having this conversation within my head. What does Kelly want to say? What is Kelly going to say? What does Kelly want to say? And I was so fascinated. I love when my kids flip out now or they have a messy moment or they're really upset about something because then I can look at it from afar like, what would a conscious parent do? I can't believe my lunchbox and this is that. Now I got to get another one. And I love that lunchbox and just going on. And I'm like, that totally stinks. You know what I wanted to say? I wanted to say, well, maybe we should have your lunchbox sometime somehow attached to your backpack. Or maybe we should put use your locker that I paid $5 for the year for that you've never touched once. Maybe I should, maybe we should put it inside of your backpack because she carries it separately. So what did I want to do? I wanted to fix it all. I'm like, let's just fix this problem. I am so uncomfortable seeing you uncomfortable. So let's just go and fix the problem. She's in the burning building. She wants no solutions. She wants no lectures and she wants no consequences. That can be happening later. I wanted to give all these reasons of how we can fix the lunchbox situation. This is the first time it's ever happened, but it's the first time she's ever had to carry a lunchbox around school. In elementary school, they have a big old laundry basket and they just drop it in there and then they carry that to lunch. So this is all new for her, but this is an event, not a pattern. If it's a pattern, then we can create more consciousness about it to create a new habit. It's the first time she ever lost her lunchbox. She's like a one on the Enneagram scale. If you know anything about a one on the Enneagram scale, you don't lose lunchboxes when you're a one on the Enneagram scale. So her world was rocked. Going through the lunch line when she wasn't ready for it as an Enneagram one, her world was rocked. And I knew that. So I just held the space, held the space, held the space in the car, which I feel like I feel like almost trapped. And then she came home and she just ran straight to her room and she just cried and cried and cried about the worst day ever. And then she came out. She's like, I'm sorry. I flipped out in the car. I was so upset, mommy. It just was so stressful. I'm like, I know I've had those kind of days too. She's apologizing on her own. I didn't say, oh, you can't talk to me that way and all this. I'm like, I get it, boo. I, I have had days like that too. I was, And then I complimented myself. I'm like, wasn't I really good at holding space? She's like, you really were. I just, I don't even know. I couldn't even, I couldn't even, she just was like out of her mind. You just agree with them. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to judge them. You don't have to lecture them. You don't have to consequence them. We recently, Grady in the car, he's not allowed to watch TV in the car any, anymore because it was just getting too habitual. And it was like, we were running to Walgreens. He's turning it on. And I'm just like, this is not good for his growing brain. And one time we were in the car in David's car, which doesn't have TV in the car. 
And he was so fun to be with in the car. He was like making jokes. He was cracking. He was like, the four of us were having so much fun. I'm like, you know what, Grady? I don't really hear you talk a lot in the car because you're always watching TV. And I said, I think we're going to have a new rule that, you know, it's not really good for your brain. I think it exacerbates ADD and it just turns off that part of your brain that teaches you how to concentrate and focus. I said, well, I think we're going to take TV out of the car unless the rides are over 30 minutes. Is that a win-win? He's like, no, that's a terrible idea. I'm like, would you rather do 35 or 30? He's like, well, what? No. Okay. What? And I'm like, yeah, if we go to Lily's physical therapy or we go on a long road trip, I'm okay with it. But, you know, to the Walgreens and to the library and to the mall and these quick little trips, it's just too much. So we started instituting it. It was really hard for him. He didn't know how to act in the car because he'd always been numbing out on TV when he got in the car. So he would act like really silly Billy or he'd do things to get attention or he was just kind of like making noises. And I'm like, this isn't this is just him almost detoxing from it. And then he got really upset one day. He's like, this is the worst reel ever. It's not fair. And he starts crying. He's in the back seat. Why do all these things always happen in the car? Why can't they happen like when I can get some space from it to hold the space? And I said, I know, buddy. Oh, my goodness. It must be so shocking to you. All of a sudden, I just came up with this rule. I said, actually, it's your fault because you're so entertaining and so funny in the car that I wanted to hear more of you. He's like, stop. That's not funny. And I'm like, it must be so frustrating. You know, you're just like a kid. And all of a sudden, you go to school and there's all these rules. And then mommy just throws this random rule out. And he's like, yeah, none of this makes any sense. I'm like, you're so right. You just agree with them. And I'm just like, you're so right. That must be so frustrating. I felt frustrated, too, before. And then I told him about a time that I felt frustrated when someone just randomly turns the changed the rules on me. I have this software that I use and all of a sudden they changed all the login rules. You have to do this. You have to like stand on your head and do monkey calls before you can even log in. Like that's so unfair. Why did they change that all of a sudden? And so I'm connecting with him on the emotion and I'm sharing with him. This is the emotion you're feeling and it's completely normal because I'm 45 and I have it every day. And you can help them calm down, but every child is different in the way that they calm down. So I'll get emails all the time from clients and from people and moms and dads. How do you help your kids calm down? I said, it's different for everyone. And it's different for what helps me calm down. So I have this chart. It's 20 questions. And it's the answer they can answer always, sometimes, or never. So it says, when I'm upset, what are some ways that I can help you calm down? Because we all know that timeouts don't work. Spanking does not work. Yelling exacerbates the situation. Imagine if you called your girlfriend and you're upset about something and they just start yelling at you. Stop feeling that way. You'd be like, what? I don't understand. I'm so confused. Hang up. That's what kids do when we don't understand how they're feeling. They shut down. That is the opposite of what we want. So this checklist has different ideas. And then the kids answer always, sometimes, or never. Like number one, ask me, how can I help you calm down? Do you want me to do that always, sometimes, or never? Ask me how I'm feeling. Don't talk and just listen. Get my stuffed animal. Give me a journal. Give me time and space. Help me solve my problem. Number eight, help me or put your arm around me. Number nine, help me use my coping skills. Help me with my breathing. Ignore me. Let me explain why I'm mad. Play Christian music. Remind me about the consequences. Send me to my room. Hold the space for me. Talk to me calmly. Tell me something funny. Tell me that you love me. Try to distract me always, sometimes, or never. And it's funny because after these big moments happen, you feel so close. It's kind of like when you have an argument with your spouse and then you make up and you're like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I feel so close to you because I felt so vulnerable when we were like in that moment. And now I feel so much closer to you. There are ways to get through the messy moments and do it where you almost look forward to it. I know that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy even coming out of my mouth, 
but like look forward to it in a fact that you're not scared of it. You're not pushing it away because whatever you resist will only persist. So telling them to stop feeling a certain feeling is like telling you to stop breathing or telling you to stop sneezing. You never know when a sneeze is going to come on. And someone telling you to stop sneezing is like holding the beach ball underneath water and it's actually harder. You're like, now you're thinking about so much about sneezing. Now you can't stop thinking about sneezing. The power of suggestion is huge. If I start talking about lice right now, your head might start itching. If I start talking about yawning, you might start yawning. Or if I'm with you and I'm yawning, you're probably going to yawn. That's the mirroring energy of what these souls bring into our life. They are a giant mirror to what's going on in our life and teaching us where we need to grow from a place of empowerment, not from a place of beating ourselves up. You cannot get from point A to point B by beating yourself up. You cannot white knuckle yourself through parenting. You have to clearly detach from these beautiful souls and see them as not belonging to you. They belong to something so much greater and bigger than you and have nothing to do with you. So we have to completely drop the ego. And the ego just says, am I worthy? Am I value? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And then we parent from the sphere-based place and we actually attract in everything that we're scared that we're going to attract in. So we have to do the complete opposite and hold the space and run into conflict and run into the messy moments with them to connect with them. Because when you have connection, you have correction. And I have examples after examples after examples of the different ways to connect during the messy moments but you can't do that unless you're detached and you leave the ego aside and you shred it and you shred it and you shred it and you're constantly shedding of the ego, shedding of the ego. And every time a messy moment happens, you're going to get closer to shedding the ego because the ego is so filled with fear and not good enoughness that when you parent from that fear-based place, you're actually going to attract and create the things that you're trying to not create. And I only know this, folks, because I was there and it was no bueno. I was in the pool. I was in the I was in the waves with them. I was in the burning building. I was on the roller coaster of emotions with them and I was exhausted and burnt out. And I thought it was them. Then I realized, wait a minute, if I'm the problem, I'm the solution. And nothing was wrong with me. I just was so enmeshed and codependent. So I just want to reassure you for the 75th thousand millionth time that there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. And also, there is nothing wrong with your children. They are not broken. They don't need to be fixed. Just know that your brain is so afraid of vulnerability, so it creates all these unnecessary problems as a way to protect you from vulnerability. And I am begging, preaching, going to scream from the rooftops until I'm 110 years old to run into vulnerability because vulnerability breeds vulnerability and it teaches our kids how to be vulnerable. And these might be skills and traits and things that we were never taught as kids and that's okay. We can still learn it and it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel like you're learning to ride a bike. It's going to feel like riding with your opposite hand. When I was learning how to kick a soccer ball with my left foot, I'm right hand dominated and right foot dominated. It was so hard and was practice, repetition, practice, repetition until I was able to take corner kicks with my left foot and it felt just as natural with my right. And maybe not just as natural, but very, very close to natural. I had to think so much about it, whereas when I was kicking with my right foot, it was all very automatic. So this might feel awkward. It might like feel like you're driving a stick shift for the first time, but I want to reassure you that number one, it gets easier 
And the more you can get comfortable feeling uncomfortable yourself, then you can hold the space and be comfortable when your kids feel uncomfortable. Because that's the greatest gift we can give to them is teach them about emotional literacy, but we have to learn it first. And they are a giant mirror to us where we need to grow, not from a place of beating ourselves up and I'm not good enough and I'm broken and it's my parents' fault, but from a place of empowerment of like, thank you, teachers. Thank you, children, for being my teachers. Because everything happened the exact way it was supposed to. And I love Glennon Melton or Glennon Doyle. I'm not sure of her new last name. She says, don't let yourself become so concerned with being a good parent that you forget that you already are one because then you're coming to your relationship with your child as a W-H-O-L-E person, feeling whole and complete and full of life so you can give that gift to your child. If you want to be the perfect parent, which I hear so many parents want to do, then enjoying this parenting journey is probably step number one. Liking your kids and liking yourself and loving yourself and loving your kids is step two. And just know you have the exact child you were meant to have. And your child has the exact parent they were meant to have. How do we know this? Because those two souls are matched up together. And when you know that is a perfect union, everything else is B minus. Then you can take the pressure off of yourself. Then you don't have any expectations, any manual, any playbook for your children, for your spouse, or even sometimes for yourself. Sometimes we hold this huge playbook for ourselves, and we think that we sometimes have a playbook for God, too, of how he should have mapped out our life. But when you know that everything is happening for you and it's never happening to you, and when your children go through things, you know that it's all happening for them and not to them then you can just enjoy the ride and just realize that we're just a leaf floating around and we're going from classroom to classroom to classroom in this life school. And the life school never stops. The teacher never stops showing up. We have to show up as a student to say, with our arms open wide, with vulnerability leading the pack and saying, what is this here to teach me? What is the lesson? Sometimes we have our dukes up and we're fighting against it all. Why is this happening? This isn't fair. This shouldn't be happening. And we get all caught up in that versus having our palms up and saying, thank you for all of this. This is all teaching me exactly what I need to learn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You say it over and over and over and you lean into the messy moments, not only with yourself, but with your children. And you lead with grace. You lead with compassion. You lead with empathy. It's not being a doormat parent. It's leading with your palms up instead of your fists up. Imagine that every single day, and then that's the energy that they're going to reflect back to you. That's the energy that your spouse is going to reflect back to you. They're just like puppies. They absorb energy like bounty, quicker picker-upper. They absorb it, and then they squeeze it out. And whatever they're squeezing out, you get to be in charge of what they squeeze out because it's energy they're absorbing from you. And don't worry about what your spouse is doing. Just focus on your side of the street, stay on your lane, and I promise you, you have the exact union you were meant to have. I love you and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, 
send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.